The night may be long and the dark may be deep, but the answers are there to be found. Whether it's the normal, the abnormal, or the paranormal, you're in the right place. Let's go Beyond Reality. Welcome to the program, everyone. It's Beyond Reality, and I'm your host, J.V. Johnson. We've got a great show. We're going to return to our roots tonight. I always say that when we come back to the topic of ghosts, but there's a reason for that. First of all, I enjoy it. Secondly, uh, it's where I started with my professional paranormal stuff. Always had an interest in all of it, but it was ghosts and ghost investigations, paranormal investigating, that uh, really led me down the path that led to this program. So uh, I'm always excited to uh, have this conversation. Tonight we've got two members of Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue joining us. Stephen Williams and Kayla Bays will be our guests. We'll bring them in in just a little bit. Before we get uh, too far into the show, I forgot to do this last night. I meant to, so I will do it tonight. I'd like to thank a new Patreon supporter. Yes, you can go to Patreon and support the program because we are no longer commercial-driven I know there are ads on YouTube and stuff in the in the podcast throws an ad in, but whatever. But that's mostly them. That's not really us. Um, so Patreon is a way that people can support the show, which we always appreciate. But I'd like to say hello and thank you to Heidi from Mars. Now I have to say this, Heidi, if you're really from Mars, that I need you to be a guest on the program. So Heidi from Mars, thank you for being a Patreon supporter, and more importantly. If you are, in fact, from Mars or know anybody who is from Mars, please contact my producer, SlickEddieEdwards at gmail.com. And Slick Eddie will uh, will talk to you or the person that you know from Mars about being on the program. But in all seriousness, thank you for being a Patreon supporter. Appreciate it very, very much. Hope everybody's still staying safe. It sounds like to me that we're, we're seeing some uh, clearing of the clouds, if you will. Light at the end of the tunnel is another way to put it. I hope so, because if anybody, if if you're watching the YouTube stream, you can see what's going on with this uh, unkept and uncut hair. I'm two months past due, maybe even three months overdue for a haircut. It's out of control. I will be in ponytail territory if this lasts much longer. I've done it before. It's not a pretty look for me, but it was fun doing it at the time. Anyway, thanks to everybody who's joining us on... uh, Thanks to everyone who's joining us on um, on Twitch as well. Uh, we've got some new subscribers and new followers there. Thank you, uh, Mrs. Professor, uh, and others that have joined the stream in the chat there. I enjoy doing the Twitch thing. It will not replace YouTube except for our weekend programming because we get a little crazier on the, on the weekend programs, and we want to make sure that uh, the platform is suitable for that. So we don't – I don't think – the craziness is so much of YouTube stuff, but it's definitely, given all the things we can do on Twitch, we're going to be doing it there. But we'll see. This is an evolving situation. So, And I'm enjoying the experiment. I like learning new stuff, and this is definitely new for me. Um, what else can we talk about before we go to break? I guess that's about it. Again, we've got two guests coming up tonight. They'll be together. They're both members of the Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue, Stephen Williams and Kayla Bays, and we'll bring them up in just a moment. It's Beyond Reality, and I hope everybody is ready for a great show tonight. Please support the program. Go to patreon.com slash joha. That's J-O-H-A-W. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Again, tonight we're talking with two members of Ghost or Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue, Stephen Williams and Kayla Bays. Stephen, uh, welcome to Beyond Reality. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, JV. We're so we're so excited to be here. And I'm going to welcome Kayla as well. Kayla, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, you guys, you know, anytime I get an opportunity to talk to people not only uh, that are involved in paranormal investigating, but clearly have a passion for it, I get excited about it because I share that passion. Where does the passion come from, do you think, Stephen? Well, I think it comes from um, being able to help people that are, you know, having all these experiences, help them understand it and uh, overcome their fear. That's a big part of it. And then... um, to be able to connect with these spirits that are creating these disturbances in an effort to, to try to get some help, that's very rewarding for us to to uh, kind of be the agents, the human agents, to, um, to make that happen. What gets you more excited or maybe drives you a little harder? Is it the passion to understand the paranormal better, or is it the passion to help people be comfortable with maybe where they live or where they work if they're having experiences? Well, I think I got my personal understanding of the paranormal fairly quickly. I started in 2002, and about two two or three years into my investigation work, I actually heard a little girl speak out loud in a balcony of a movie theater, old movie theater. So I got my proof pretty quick, and after that, it was like, okay, yeah, what am I going to, what am I going to do with this? You know, uh, how, what's the best um, approach and path with this? So, uh, at about 2007, I met a medium down in Jacksonville, Florida. She introduced me to spirit rescue work. So uh, that's what I've been basically focused on for the past 13 years. Did you have any experiences as a child that may have uh, sparked some curiosity in you? No, not really. Uh, the only thing that happened to me uh, when, when I was about 10 or 11 years old, I had an out-of-body experience. It was uh, kind of terrifying, so I think I shut down for many, whoa, many whoa, years. Whoa. So did I you, really didn't get involved in this until I was uh, you know, fully adult. Did you say, quote-unquote, the only thing that happened to you? That's pretty monumental, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was quite disturbing at the time, but I mean, I didn't... Uh, I really didn't feel like I had any other paranormal experiences in terms of, you know, being able to perceive spirits or feel them or anything around me. That came much later. Kayla, how did you get your introduction to this paranormal idea, these these topics that we're talking about tonight? So it's always kind of been around me since I was younger because I've been gifted since I was a child and spirits are always around me. My family was also originally from Louisiana, so it was kind of normal within my family to talk about these things and discuss it in our experiences. Do you think that, as you describe, spirits are always around you? Do you think they're always around everyone, but not everyone can sense them as you can? For the most part, not necessarily all the time, but they're definitely around more than people realize. Tell me how um, Claire Audience works. Uh, you've got a bunch of the, we call them the Claire's. You know, there's Claire Audience, there's Clairvoyance, there's Claire Sentience. Mm-hmm. You know, these, these things make up these, what we would call extrasensory perceptions that we have. You're a Claire Audience. How does that work for you? Right. So for me, when I'm speaking to them directly, it's not necessarily physical auditory that I'm getting because I'm getting the sense of it. So 
when they're speaking to me, a lot of it is a sentence typically is what they'll repeat to me. And then sometimes I just know what they're saying as if they're standing there and talking to me, but I'm not hearing them. And it's really hard to explain, but that is the best way for me to express it. So you hear them, whether it's through an, an audible sense or maybe just more of a telepathic sense. Do you see them at the same time? Yes. You do. And I don't always, I do see them. I don't always see them like how they do in Ghost Whisper, like not that physical. Most of the time it's an outline or I can feel them so well that I can make up how tall they are and what they look like and everything. So if this has been happening to you and for you since you were a child, did it scare you at any point or were you always comfortable with it? I was always fairly comfortable with it. I had the privilege of growing up in a home with a mother who was fairly spiritual as well. And she would always tell me if I heard my name, it was just God calling on me. And then she told me, you know, I want them to go away to just tell them to go away. You know, they have to do what I said. So luckily I was brought up to not be afraid and not to have that fear and to realize that I have more control than I realize and that I can set up boundaries and communicate with them. And as you set up those boundaries, are you able to turn it on and off if, if, you know, a spirit is trying to communicate with you, but you're in a place where you either just can't focus on it or give the spirit the attention you, you should or want to, can you just turn it off? Not necessarily turn it off, but I can definitely tell them to give me space. So something that Jennifer and I do, we basically have like store hours or working hours, and we like to vision a sign above our head that's like open or close. And they understand and respect that. I've also noticed as we've done this work that the on the other side have a bigger understanding without us having to express or say anything to them. So I guess I guess that's a great point. Uh, in many cases, we might assume that they don't know what's going on, but what you're saying there is they do know it's they do understand it. They do under uh, get the whole uh, uh, the, the fact there are some barriers and that there are you know some protocols, if you will, uh, to make these communications happen effectively. Correct. Most of them have such common sense, but there are some that are almost like abuse or trauma victims, and they're confused or they're lost. Or, you know, they're reliving a traumatic experience and they are confused. Stephen, um, same question to you basically about uh, clairsentience. You're a clairsentient. Uh, what does that mean and, and how does it work for you? Okay, for me, it's uh, almost like I'm a human K2 meter because I can uh, read their energy. And it's, a, it's kind of a tingling type sensation that I feel uh, around my crown chakra, around the top of my head. And that started for me in a, actually in a haunted location, uh, an old antebellum uh, slave quarters many years ago. And by working with various mediums, I think I worked with almost a dozen mediums over the past 18 years. So uh, as I was working with, with these individual mediums, I would feel something and um, I would ask them, you know, do you see someone or do you, you know, hear someone talking? And by uh, them telling me what they were seeing, I was able to distinguish that if I feel it on my right side, it's masculine energy. If I feel on the left side, it's feminine. If I feel it higher, it's um, someone who's crossed over or maybe an angelic-type energy. If I feel it lower, it's earthbound. And if I feel it crawling down the back of my neck, I know exactly what that is. That's, that's the, uh, the dark stuff. 
the dark stuff on the back yeah. of your neck. That's where they make their presence known. Right, yeah. So I think my guides have arranged this for me uh, somehow that they've kind of uh, blocked me off in, in a sense uh, in different areas of my crown chakra that if I feel that, uh, that sensation in certain areas, you know, I know exactly what's going on. So that's very, very helpful. And I could walk into your house for your heaven spirit activity and tell you exactly, you know, if you've got uh, a male, uh, if he's crossed over, if he's earthbound, this type of thing. Let's talk a little bit more about your out-of-body experience. I was going to say OBE, but not everybody knows what that means. Let's talk a little bit more about that experience because that was early for you, kind of before you got into this and started to really pay attention to it. What happened? I was uh, studying uh, at the kitchen table. I was about 10 or 11 years old, and it was late at night. Everybody was asleep in the house, and I I think I had um, maybe not gotten my homework done on time. I was having to you know, spend a little extra time, and all of a sudden, I just, I felt myself come out of my body, and before I knew it, I was up at the ceiling looking down, and I just kind of jerked back into my body real quick, and it really, really scared me, and I wasn't, I wasn't really uh, certain if it would really happen, you know, if I was dreaming, or if I dozed off, or whatever, but no, it was a real experience, and it did really shock me, and it, uh, it kind of made me shy away from all this for a while. So it was only a momentary out-of-body experience, happened rather quickly, right. but it's but yeah. it was powerful enough that it scared you. Have you had any sense? No, I haven't. I, I think maybe uh, that's something I'm not supposed to uh, delve into. <laughs> so wh- you know, I do what... have friends that do astral travel and that type of thing, but it's it's just not for me. I mean, I've heard a lot of explanations from people who've had these experiences, what they believe caused it. In many cases, it can be, you know, a medical situation. It can be um, a religious experience. It can be uh, an accident. Uh, There are a lot of different things that I've heard. What do you think? And you may not have an answer or you may just have some speculation, but I'm interested to hear either. What do you think caused it? Well, you know, I've always heard that we have like a silver cord or something that um, is our soul connection to our body. So I don't know why it happened. Uh, Maybe I just got super, super relaxed, Uh, maybe more so than I ever had to that point. And it just allowed that experience to occur. But I really don't know. I've thought about it many times, but I know it did really uh, shock me and... uh, scared me. And I, you know, I kept thinking, is this going to happen again? Is it going to happen, you know, when I'm sitting in class or whatever, you know, what am I going to do? So I think I really blocked it for a long time because of that. Kayla, have you ever had an out-of-body experience? Definitely not like that. I've had, since I was little, I've had a lot of dreams. I've had lucid dreams. I've had very vivid dreams. But as for outer body, I hadn't necessarily experienced anything like that. Have you been around anyone that has had an experience like that while they were having it? Nope. I feel like it would be interesting, but no, I have not. I was just curious. If if you had been standing next to Stephen when he had this experience, or someone else has had a similar experience, could you sense, do you believe, a spirit leaving the physical form in that in that action while it was separated from the body? I mean, is that something you think you can sense? I feel like it's something I would definitely sense because that is a shift in energy, if you think about it, because a part of him is going somewhere else. And I'm fairly perceptive to, you know, energy spots and energy shifts and things like that. 
I'm just curious if anybody's ever had that experience. You know, people who have this ability to sense and even see spirit activity, if they've been next to somebody having an out-of-body experience and they can actually see that spirit in action. That would be that would be really kind of fascinating, wouldn't it, Stephen? Uh, yeah, it would, definitely. Let's. I want to talk about another part of the title of your group. It's Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue. I'm very, very familiar with the ghost invest- investigations part. What's the spirit rescue part? Well, you know, spirit rescue has actually been around for many, many years. I actually met a lady who was 80 years old from England, and they would, uh, over in that country, they would get together weekly uh, and sit and do what they would call sendings. So they would attract earthbound spirits into their circle. It was not a seance or anything like that. They would just kind of raise their vibration. Um, sometimes they would sing just to get the vibration up and would attract earthbounds into their circle, and then they would help them uh, make a transition. So what we do is we go into people's homes, and instead of uh, taking tons of equipment in there and spending hours and hours and hours, we are usually in and out within an hour or two. So what we'll do is we'll go in, um, because we have these clairs, these gifts, and there's three of us, which kind of amps us up when we're together. We're able to go into these uh, situations, determine who's there, uh, make a connection with any spirits who are there, uh, give them a chance to communicate and tell their story, and then we um, try to help them heal and uh, release from that trauma or, or that um, situation that they're stuck in, and then we, uh, we're able to help them to make a transition and what people would cross, uh, call crossing over. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say then, and you're not the first person I've heard this from, but i like to clarify it for the audience. Uh, mm-hmm. what, you're, what you're saying is here that certain spirits, spirits, once somebody has passed away, the spirit becomes a bit, I don't know if trapped is the right word, but they don't know how to cross to wherever they're supposed to be next. And that's, in many cases, why they maintain a presence here among us. And what you look to do is help them find the way to make that crossing. That's true. Yeah, that's our that's our goal every single time. Now, sometimes we'll go in and we'll uh, establish communication and counsel them and explain to them, you know, that there's other options for them, uh, that there's you know a higher plane of awareness that they can um, transition to. But you know, it's their they have free will, so they have the choice to stay and and uh, have more of this experience here, whether it's a happy one or you know distressing one or whatever but um they at least have the knowledge and the option to know that they can uh release when they want to so sometimes they'll release immediately when we're on site when we're working with them as we do our walkthroughs uh through a particular site and then sometimes uh, they don't they uh, you know they have to mull it over i guess you'd say and think about it for a while what keeps some of these spirits here what makes them trapped is it an emotional attachment to someone or something or is it an unawareness of the passing itself or is it something else i think a lot of times people grieve um, their loved ones so heavily that it it holds them here that's one of the reasons that they've given Um, a lot of times they're afraid of uh punishment because of the religious upbringing, you know, and things they've done in their life. They're afraid they're going to be sent to a hell or, or some unpleasant place, so they'll they'll avoid uh, transition and avoid stepping into the light. And then sometimes they just get stuck in these uh, loops, mental loops of uh, experience.
experiences, maybe the last thing they remember that happened to them. And one time we went to a house, and there was a young girl who was hiding in the closet, and she just kept talking about the, the fire and the smoke. So in her mind, she was still having that experience, and she couldn't get past it. So we have we had to help her raise her vibration point where she could break free from that, and then she was able to make the transition. Uh, Kayla, anything you want to add to that? Do you see it any differently, or do you want to add to what Stephen just said? Um, there's a few things I can add. There's, are you talking about why they stay? Yeah, why there's, in some cases, trapped or stuck or consciously decide to stay. And, um, you know, is it emotional attachment? Is it uh, some other type of unawareness of their situation? What do you think? It's really, truly many things. I've seen all kinds of scenarios. Like you said, you know, people with religious backgrounds and stuff. I had a younger boy who was following me named Jacob, and he grew up in a nunnery. He was an orphan. So he was scared that he wasn't going to heaven and that no one was waiting for him. So all I had to do was coach and talk to him. And then there's another gentleman who was a heavy alcoholic, and he didn't want to cross over because he didn't know if beer was in heaven or, you know, wherever he was going. I hope there's beer in heaven. I hope you learn that there is (laughs) beer in heaven because this will be a very short show if there's not. (laughs) <laughs> there is. I told him endless tasks. All right, good. That's what I wanted to hear. Yes, yes. But, you know, it's many different things. Sometimes, you know, if it's someone who's recent, they don't want to leave a loved one who's grieving, like Stephen said, because, you know, they want to... Sometimes they don't realize that they can still come back and visit or watch over them. A lot of them are not really aware of what's going to happen if they do cross over. So it's many, many different things. What's this? Let's talk about the crossover process itself. First of all, um, Stephen, I heard you mention the light, move toward the light. We've all heard these references to the light, whether it's from a near-death experience or in the case of how you've just described it, based on your interaction with some spirits. What is the light? Where are they crossing over to, Stephen? Where do we think they're going? I believe it's just a higher vibration, a higher frequency. Uh, The mediums that I've worked with, and Kayla may, may want to chime in on this later, but uh, two of the mediums I worked with for a long time before uh, I started this new team, they described it differently. One said it was like this uh, slit of light, almost like a, a sliding door that opened up, and then she could look into that and she could see all these people, which I assumed were the relatives or you know, loved ones of the spirit we were working with. Another uh, medium I worked with described it as a horizon that opened up. So I guess they just perceived it you know, differently as probably the same uh, you know, same source. Um, but it's just, everything is energy and vibration. So, um, the spirits that we work with, I think are stuck kind of in a, a limbo type uh, vibration. That's much lower. And our, our goal is to, to do some counseling with them to help them release any kind of emotional baggage they're carrying around to, um, help them, um, you know, increase their awareness. And then, almost like bridges because we're able to use our higher vibration than theirs to connect them with the loved ones who have been waiting for them so it's uh, it's all about vibration why is it that it, in some cases it requires a human intervention or assistance as in your part versus maybe something more divine or even another spirit helping a fellow spirit find the way over 
Well, I think I think it's because of the difference in the vibration, because the spirits that we work with who are earthbound, they are just not aware of the loved ones who are around them. It used to really disturb me when I would go into places and there were child spirits. I was, and I always thought, you know, why? Why hasn't a loved one or an angel or some very, you know, divine type energy come and taken this child spirit um, out of the situation? But, you know, we all have free will. Children are just little people, right? So there's that free will component right. and they're able to make the choice. A lot of times child spirits, they like where they are. There's a little girl in a a town north of Memphis that I worked with her many years ago and tried to get her to release. And she is in a theater where they do plays and things, and she's just really happy there. Hmm. So she knows she can go when she's ready, but she's just not she's not ready right now. So I have to ask just, you. Yeah, I've got to ask go. you to to define a little better for me. And and, mm-hmm. you, and I've heard this word used a lot, but I'm not sure I understand how it applies to everything that we're talking about. But the word vibration, what are we talking about when we talk about different vibration? Well, I think there's an emotional component to that. Um, you know, if you're in a very high um, vibration of joy, uh, that's one way of looking at it. Or if you're in a low vibration of depression, um, it's it has... There's an emotional component to it, a spiritual component to it, and then everything is energy. I mean, light is uh, vibrating a lot faster, you know, than uh, your your floor. So um, it's just it's it's kind of hard to put it into words, but in our experience, it's just a a condition, or I think that's the only way you can really describe it is as a vibration. What do you think, Caleb? So for me, the way I understand understand it, almost like meta-science, understanding the science behind spiritual energy, the vibration to me is just all the electric magnet, all the electric, electric, mag- why can I not say this word? <laughs> Electromagnetic? Electric- <laughs> yes, energy, because, you know, whenever we think about moving a body part and this and that, those are brain waves, that's energy and vibration sending throughout our body. So, you know, when you're in a good mood, you have a higher vibration. When you're in a bitter mood, if you're angry or sad, that would be considered a lower energy, our vibration. So they're kind of used interchangeably. Be sure to find the YouTube channel and subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's the heart of our online community. We've got a great chat room that's active during the live streams of the program. Plus, you can find an archive. I think I counted yesterday. I didn't count, but there was a number on the channel, something like 850 videos there. That's 850 shows that you can watch, enjoy, listen to, you know, just play them in the background and listen. Uh, Some great discussions there, some great guests like our guests tonight. We're talking with two members of the Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue, Stephen Williams, Caleb Bays. Stephen, how long has the group been together? We've been together since October of 2018. That's when Caleb and I joined up. Uh, We had a couple other ladies uh, that were working with us early on. And they got busy with other things and dropped off. And then Jennifer joined us in April uh, last year. So there's three of you in the team. Um, I'm talking Mm -hmm. with you and Kayla. Tell us a little bit about Jennifer's role. Jennifer is also clairaudient, uh, clairvoyant medium. So uh, it's almost 
when Kayla and Jennifer are together, they link in a sense. And, um, so it's, it's, it's amazing to be able to work with, uh, you know, people that are at, that gifted. It just makes the work so much easier. We can literally go in, like I said, within an hour or two and take care of everything. And, uh, not have to spend a lot of time there. And we don't do it late at night. We usually go from seven to nine. And, uh, <laughs> That's my kind of ghost hunting. <laughs> listen, I used to do, I used to do the, uh, all nighters early on and, uh, you know, be, be at a place till three o'clock yeah. either for, six, eight, ten hours is like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> I'm yeah. done with that. So. Yeah, that, that's definitely rough. Kayla, did you uh, know Jennifer prior to meeting, being in the group together? For a little bit I did, because we were in a metaphysical class together. I didn't get to know her very well until we started working together. Did all, did Other than that, did uh, Stephen, did you know either of these two before you came together as a group or vice versa? I met Kayla in a, a class. I, when I had that tingling thing going on, uh, I looked for a teacher to help me with that, and I found a metaphysical teacher in the Memphis area that had been teaching for 40 years, and I was in her class for about 10 years. And then I actually met Kayla in that class after I had left the class and um, just briefly met her. And then they did a mediumship platform demonstration in October. That's actually how the group got together in September of 2018, and Kayla got up and uh, did, did a public reading, and she brought through a little child spirit whom I'm, whom, I, whom I'm very familiar with because she's a spirit rescue, and she actually works with us uh, when we're working with child spirits. We need to have a little assistance in helping them cross over. So she was able to see this little girl named Alice uh, that I'm very familiar with. Other mediums there also saw her that night, and so that's how I decided to um, form this this new team. And then we were doing a spirit rescue circle one night, Kayla and I, um, for a class. And I looked across the way, and Jennifer was sitting over there, and I could see that she was really intently looking at my left shoulder uh, during the whole thing. So I went over to her after that and asked her, you know, do you see someone there? And she started describing my great-grandmother. So oh, wow. I knew that she needed to be working with us, too. Wow. Um, as a group comes together like that, there's only three of you, so there are only three personalities that have to gel. Some groups, groups are bigger, and I've heard horror stories about personalities clashing or what what have you. Uh, how, what role do you think personality plays in the effectiveness of a group and certainly the longevity of, longevity of a group, Stephen? Oh, I think it's very, very important. Uh, the first group I was involved with, it started out with me and two other people. Uh, they were the co-founders, and they invited me to join them. And it was kind of a social thing for them, so it got up to like eight people. And when you take eight people into a small uh, subdivision house, that's that's just insane. I mean, you can't do anything. And, you know, like I said, uh, all the different personalities that are at work there, it's hard to um, to get people to show up and this and that. And over the, over the years, I've just learned that, you know, two or, two or three people's really a great number to work with. Kayla, how does personality play into, and I don't don't just mean yours, but personalities within a group play into how the spirits will react to what you're doing? I mean, being respectful and having positive energy is really important. So that's a big part of it as well. Someone who isn't going to be disrespectful or demeaning. I mean, it's not... Not necessarily too hard if you're just generally a good person. I've had a really good experience with Stephen and Jennifer. 
Yeah, I guess my question was more oriented toward, you know, if you walk into a room as a human, as a person, Uh you walk into a room, sometimes you'll walk into a room and there'll be somebody in there and you just automatically don't feel like you're not going to get along with them. There's something about their energy, your energy, there's a bit of a conflict. I don't know what that is, right. but it happens. Or the the other the reverse can be true. You can walk into a room and see somebody and immediately hit it off with that person even though you've got no mm-hmm. history. How does so how, so when you have personalities in a ghost hunting or a paranormal investigating group, do you have to be careful about the, how those personalities uh, are uh, because when you walk into a room you might have a uh, a spirit not want to respond because of the personality of one of the people in the group is have you ever had to deal with that yeah um, not since, you know, but, oh, sorry go ahead go ahead Kayla. i i haven't personally since i started working with steven but uh it's really important for the energy of those people's personalities to flow for everything to work properly and be consistent and steady so it's really important that everyone's energy and personalities flow well with one another what do you think, Stephen? Yeah, I think if your intent is pure, if your uh, your purpose in doing this work, and this goes for anybody who's in the paranormal field, if your if your intent is pure, if you're just in this to help people and to help these uh, these poor souls that are stuck here, um, you know, I think that shines through. It's, it's again a kind of a vibration thing. So I think the spirits that we encounter sense that they sense that we're there to help. Um, you know, we're kind, and uh, we're not going to antagonize anybody. We're going to be patient and compassionate and give them an opportunity to tell their story. So that's, you know, that puts them at ease, and it makes the work a lot easier. Stephen, why investigate? I mean, that's probably one of the most basic questions that nobody ever asks. Why do it? Why do why do I want to go into people's homes and investigate? Why should anybody want to do that? What? Why? Why investigate? I, or maybe I think just... everybody has their own reasons. Um, you know, for me originally it was um, I went on a ghost tour. That's how I got interested. So uh, I didn't know anything about it and read a little bit about it on the internet. So I was very intrigued. My my first purpose was to find out is there anything after after we die? You know, is there anything after this? Is there an afterlife? And then when I got that proof. It was like, uh, okay, we're going into people's homes, we're getting EVPs and this and that. So what? You know, what's the purpose of that? So that's when um, I think that's when my guides and the universe arranged for me to meet people that introduced me to spirit rescue. Kayla, do you? So that's why I go. I go to help help these uh, souls that are trapped right, here. Right. Uh, and I, I can hear in your voice and, and basically uh, every question that you answer that. Uh, helping whether it's spirits or the people uh, dealing with spirits is really your prime objective in all of this, which I I, I uh, commend. Uh, Kayla, what about you? Why investigate? I think it's important because we're helping a lot of people. And, you know, this is something that I didn't necessarily ask for, but I love it. And it's something that I'm able to do and willing to do. And it makes a big impact and difference in people's lives. And we get contacted, so clearly there's people out there who need people like us or this kind of work done. I think it just makes an overall big difference. One word that keeps coming up in the work you do is clearing. Uh, I don't know if you've used it yet tonight, but I've read it in some of your literature and some of your stuff. Uh, Stephen, what is clearing? 
Okay, so when we finish our work at a site and we've uh, helped as many spirits as we can, at least counsel them and either help them to transition or explain to them that they have that option, then the last thing I do is I I do a vibrational clearing because I've learned that that is the best technique out there, I believe, um, way, way, way better than smudging, which I did early on. So I use a uh, rose quartz crystal. I was guided to use a rose quartz crystal and a tuning fork that's tuned to a certain frequency. And I just go through the um, the entire site, and um, I become kind of a channel at that point, and I ask uh, that the uh, energies that work through us um, that do the clearing work, I'm just a channel. I don't do the work. You know, I'm just the vessel. So um, I ask them to come and work through me, and they will they will uh, get in there and kind of sweep the place out, I guess you'd say, with light or with a higher vibration in that. Uh, every Pretty much every time we check back with someone about two or three weeks later, I always do that. You know, everything's good. All the spirits have uh, transitioned. House feels lighter, feels more peaceful. And vibration just shifts and uh, increases, so it's it's a good thing. Can you determine that outcome? In other words, if you, you've got a client that uh, you determine or you, you can predetermine maybe that there's definitely some kind of spirit activity and you need to help this spirit activity transition and or you need to clear it. Can you go in there and, and with, with assurances uh, say that you can, you can do that with 100% effectiveness or is it, you know, is it only effective half the time? I would say it's um, mostly effective probably 99.99% of the time. We've only had to go back two times, uh, once because we ran out of time because we had to travel so far from Memphis to get to this house. And then another time we had to return, and the lady that we were working with, she was very, uh, she was opening up to her own guests. And what was happening was she was attracting spirits to her. So we did some work there. There were two spirits, which we helped to transition. We did a clearing, and everything was good. And then um, I heard back from her about a month later. And I was really surprised when she said, you know, there's activity going on here. So uh, Jennifer and I went back. Kayla wasn't able to go with us. And what she had done was attracted two child spirits. She had gone to her children's school. We we figured that's where they came from. So we had to work with those two spirits, and then uh, it was, everything was good after that. So, yeah, it's, it's very effective. Well, tell me what happens when you go into a location and you get that tingle down the back of your neck that we talked about earlier. That can't end the same way, I can't imagine. No. No, we call on a higher power to, to take with that, take that away and deal with that. When you say you call on a higher power, do you mean you personally call for divine help, or do you, you mean yes. you call clergy? No, no, we call it with divine help. Uh, we it, work with Archangel Energy, so we actually ask, ask for Archangel Michael usually to step in and, and deal with that. And that, and you and you feel safe doing that and comfortable doing that? And Oh, yeah. And yeah. You, know, you don't feel like it's going to be uh, ultimately a bad situation for you? No, not at all. No, uh, I've had many experiences where I've gone into homes where people use Ouija boards and that kind of thing, and that's that's what I was guided to do was call upon that particular energy. And actually, I used to teach workshops um, back in the mid-200, 2000s. And um, I was doing a workshop at a school one time, and we were helping this little girl cross over uh, during the workshop, <laughs> believe it or not. And uh, another spirit stepped in between her 
and her father who had come for her. And I called upon Archangel Michael Energy, and people actually saw a bright light come down the hallway. And I don't know where he takes them or what, what happens to those spirits, but um, they must go to a reformatory or something. I don't know what they do with them, but anyway, it's very effective. Does your whole group, all three of you, feel comfortable if you have a negative entity or even maybe even demonic situation going on? I think generally we don't work in that area. I think other people, um, I think there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. I think a lot of this is orchestrated uh, behind the scenes. So the clients that are guided to us are the ones that uh, need the kind of work that we're able to offer them. And I think the people that, you know, generally like to work or, or maybe work with darker energies, those types of things go to other people. So, you know, if, if we encounter it, uh, I know there was one situation where we encountered this uh, spirit who was covered in soot. He was a young young boy, and um, he was there was definitely dark energy around him. But uh, we were able to actually free him from that energy, and uh, through that uh, intervention that we asked for. So, Kayla, it's all good. Yeah, Kayla, any hesitancy working with uh, negative energies? Energies. No, I still feel very calm, fairly confident. Even if I get a little uneasy, I'm ultimately not worried about it because I do feel protected, and I know that I am, and I have a lot of positive and good spirits around me. So if I'm led to that for whatever reason, I know it's for a purpose. Let's talk about some of uh, the training, if you will. I know you've, Kayla, taken some development classes. What what kind of classes do you take, and how does that help you develop your understanding of your sensitivities? I've taken a few classes. It really helps me understand, like, a structured way of my gifts and how to practice them and how to do it in a consistent, to way, consistent way to where I don't doubt myself as much. Um, we would have different development classes and different practices with readings and stuff like that. And the more you do something, the more confidence you get in it, you know, the less you doubt yourself. So a lot of it was work such as that. And as you become more confident, does it, does it ultimately lead to you being to better understand what the other side is telling you, what they're saying, what they need? Yes. Actually, since I've started doing this work, it's made it much easier for me to communicate and understand the other side and when I'm communicating with somebody on the other side as well. My senses have kind of changed or I guess developed to where at first I would have images sometimes shown to me as to where now I get sentences or they're just talking to me directly and I understand what it is they're telling me, even though I don't actually hear them. Kayla, what do you say to somebody who doesn't believe that any of this is real, that it's uh, either a hoax or, in some cases, a figment of somebody's imagination? What do you say to that person? You know, it takes a personal experience. If that's the world you live in, you know, have fun being over there. (laughs) it's not you know i can't i'm not here to convince or change anyone's mind it's either something you understand and want to learn about and follow or you don't and i'm not here to push that onto anyone or 
try and fight for that because ultimately there's no reason to. Yeah, I always got a kick out of, and still do. People will come up to me finding out what kind of work I do, and they'll say, "Yeah, I don't believe, mm-hmm. it. I don't believe in that kind of thing." But when I was eight oh, years yeah. old, my grandfather appeared before me at the foot of my bed. You know, they always have a story, and and I always th- it's funny they say how they don't believe, and then they go and tell this story, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think that's more of a being in denial than it is not believing. Frankly, mm-hmm. what about you, Stephen? What do you say to somebody who, who says, "Yeah, that doesn't exist. Why are you wasting your time?" Yeah, I agree with Kayla. It does take a personal experience, and um, it's interesting you just mentioned that because almost everybody I meet, if it if the subject comes up somehow in a conversation, and we start talking about it, they either have had a personal experience or they know someone who has. But again, it's it's kind of a denial thing. It seems like uh, they don't want to. I think a lot of people, if they feel like they acknowledge it, it's going to come into their life more and more, and they just don't want that. We're talking about ghosts tonight and paranormal investigating. Stephen, let's talk about some of your investigations, but before we get to the details of them, how do you decide whether or not you're going to actually pursue a location or investigate a location? Uh, We usually will not turn anyone down if they contact us for help. Uh, I'm able to actually call that person and pick up and discern if there's actually a spirit there. So that's very helpful. So I know, you know, I know if it's worth our time to to go and and to a location if it you know involves a little travel time or whatever. So, and Jennifer and Kayla are also able to read from photos and things like that. So if for some reason I have to go by myself uh, and they're not available uh, when I'm on site. I can take pictures and then, and send them to them, text them to them, and they'll be able to read off of that. And a lot of times uh, what I'll do is I'll take a uh, Google, you know, the Google cars have been around pretty much through the whole country. And when I get a location, I will go and find um, a Google picture of the house or whatever, and I'll send that to them, and they'll read off of that too. So that's all really helpful to to get a, a general idea of what's going on before we ever set foot in the place. Kayla, how does that work? How do you read a picture, especially one that's maybe texted to you? So the way it works for me, when I'm looking at a picture, I see if I can feel anyone, anyone anywhere in the house or if anyone appears to me. I work with a Native American Hopi guide, so I actually communicate through him a lot, and he helps me. So usually what I'll have him do is tell me some information or see what he gets from that area. And he'll relay messages to me, and I'll read the energy through the picture, just through looking at it and seeing what I get intuitively. And I will note all this down, everything I get initially. That way, if I question myself or, you know, second-guess things, I have it all documented. So that's my process of how I like to do it when I am reading something remotely and through a picture. You know, I've often had uh, people uh, on the program, psychics who do readings for people and they, or even pet psychics, and they can do a reading with a picture or even sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people do them with Skype. Uh, and I've often wondered how that energy makes the transition between, you know, point A and point B through an electronic or a digital medium. Um and when I say medium there, I don't mean the person. I mean, you know, the, the transmission of the data. Uh, so that's always, that's always been a bit curious to me. But it does work, you say? 
Yeah, I mean, think of it like this. You know, we're on the phone right now, and the data is transferring transferring through the satellites and everything. It's almost like that if you think about it. Because energy doesn't know distance. It all travels so fast and is all ultimately connected. So it's just a part of it you're focusing on and connecting with to get information from it, if that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Stephen, when you put your team together, there's three of you. Do you ever bring outside help in, or is it always just the three of you? Occasionally we will invite a guest investigator because we... um Kayla mentioned about development classes and things like that. Actually, at the first year, I decided um, my guides told me that I need to put together a development class. And Kayla's in it, and Jennifer's in it, and several of our friends who are really good mediums in this area. So we meet uh, a couple times a month just to uh, do readings on each other and do exercises to try to develop further. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's um, how it works. So when you've gotten to a location, you've decided on a, a location that has reports of activity. You've talked to the residents or the owners. Uh, you've got an idea of what you're going to be looking for, what you're trying to do. How does the investigation start for you, Stephen? Okay, so I don't tell Kayla or Jennifer anything. They go in completely cold and blind as to what's going on there. They don't know anything about what's transpired or anything. And that way... Um, when they go in and they start connecting with any spirits who are there and they start taking their notes, they actually do that independently of each other. They don't show each other their notes during the entire time we're there. So we'll go in. Uh, we'll I'll chit-chat with the uh, homeowner client there for 10 or 15 minutes. I usually take one piece of equipment with me, an EMF meter, and I'll usually turn that on, stick it on a table, and then I'll offer that to the client and allow them to go along with us and carry that piece of equipment if they want to. We just don't use equipment anymore because, you know, we were able to, to do that ourselves. And so uh, we will go from – I'll just kind of follow Kayla and Jennifer's lead. If they're guided to uh, a certain area of the house, we'll go there first. And uh, if there's someone there in spirit form, we'll uh, make a connection with them and do some counseling. A lot of times they'll, they'll – uh, transition right on the spot as we're as we're working with them a lot of it's psychology you have to give them an opportunity to tell their story uh, that's really really important and uh, then we can call in healing energies uh, if that's needed and then we go through the entire house finish our walk through uh, the three of us will then compare notes because uh, I get impressions too and a lot of times they'll validate me and vice versa and then we go to the client present our findings and more often than not uh, what we have picked on there picked up on there are the experiences that they've had because when i first contact the client i don't ask for anything but generalities i don't ask for specifics and so i just want to know if they've seen apparitions if they've heard audio phenomena i don't want to know if they've heard footsteps in a certain area if they've seen a little child walk through the house or whatever, we don't know, want to know any of that. We want to validate their experiences through our intuitive abilities. And then we'll do a clearing after that, after all the spirits have crossed. When you say they've crossed, sometimes almost immediately, how do you know when a spirit has crossed? Do you get a, is it a communication or do you just feel that the presence it's is gone? It's an energy shift. Okay, yeah. you can tell that the energy is gone. Yeah, the vibration raises, and for me, uh, if I feel the earthbound around my crown chakra in a lower uh, position, as they make that transition, I can actually feel that energy rise up uh, 
to the top of my crown chakra. And so I know at that point, I know they've gone. Uh, Kayla may experience it differently. I'm not sure. Kayla, how do you prepare for an investigation first? So I really like to relax or listen to music. And sometimes now I've started to doodle because I always have my notepad with me so I can take my notes and stuff. And when I do that, it's almost like this heavy meditation before an we do an investigation, and I intuitively will doodle or just start drawing down things I get. So that's me getting into my space and starting my work. So that's how I like to get kind of prepped before we arrive at the location. And, uh, Stephen, you say you, you don't let uh, Jennifer or Kayla uh, have any of the information ahead of time, um, which I applaud because too many times particularly people with sensitivities, and that's what they rely on for their investigation. If they get information ahead of time, mm-hmm. they can be biased. Um, mm-hmm. Correct. Right? I mean, and that's mm-hmm. why you do it, right, Stephen? Absolutely. Yeah, because I want, you know, mediums, the only mediums that I have ever worked with or felt it was uh, worthwhile to work with were evidentiary mediums that can actually, when they bring a loved one from the other side through with a message, they've also... Uh, got to bring some kind of evidence that is undeniable that you're actually speaking to that person that they're they brought through. So that's kind of the same idea here is, uh, you know, the client doesn't tell us any specifics. Um, so, you know, at the end, when we tell them our findings, you know, we've, we've connected with a lady, she's wearing a gingham dress, you know, and that's the person that they've seen walk through their house. And they know that they're, the experience they've had is valid and they also know that we have genuinely connected with that person that they've seen. When you uh, go into a location, I, I'm taking from what I'm hearing from you to think that you don't re- rely on a lot of electronic equipment. Uh, and I think most groups rely on too much electronic equipment. Uh, what do you use that would be of the electronic variety? I carry two things. I carry an EMF meter. I, I've used a, a brand called the Ghost Meter for years and years and years. It's uh, I think it was based on the cell sensor. It's a very sensitive little instrument. So I will usually just uh, take that, like I said, and turn it on right when we get in and s- stick it on a table. And in my experience, when there are gifted mediums, uh, genuine mediums on site, competent mediums, spirits will not... Uh, interact with equipment because, hey, would you rather speak to a person or a box, you know? Right. And also, if they're able to tap in to the thought transmissions of these spirits and actually hear what they're saying and the spirit's aware of that, you know, they're not going to bother with equipment. And so uh, the only time we've ever had any equipment interaction uh, since I've been working with Kayla and Jennifer is in a couple of houses where the spirit was really, really agitated. He he had been murdered, actually, and uh, he did he did spike the meter a couple of times. But, you know, for me, uh, after about 2007, it never was about evidence anymore. I got a lot of EVPs early on, and what I discovered when I started working with mediums, all that dried up because, again, they will not waste their energy to imprint a, a voice on a uh, magnetic media, you know, if they can talk to someone. So that's just the way we operate. Kayla, I'm assuming that you don't 
uh, you kind of uh, subscribe to the same philosophy here and don't use a lot of electronic equipment, if any. I actually never used any. So when I saw Stephen using the things that he has, I was actually really amazed. And even though I can talk to them and see them and stuff, when they do, it's very rare. When they interact with the equipment, it blows my mind. I'm like, oh, my God, y'all see that, too? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about EMF meters, Stephen. Um, You know, we've used them in this field for a very, very long time. And it's become right. it's become kind of accepted that they do measure some shift in electro electromagnetic frequencies that indicate there's something going on somewhere. But do we? I mean, we and I'm say, speaking for myself as well. We don't really have 100 percent certainty of what we're measuring. True, uh, I think they're useful. Uh, I did think they were quite useful early on before I started working mediums, but. Uh, my first profound uh, psychic experience was in St. Augustine, Florida, and the little rescue girl that we work with, Alice, uh, I encountered her down there uh, next to the Tolomato Cemetery. Uh, I was down there on a vacation and had an impression I should stop at a little driveway between that cemetery and a house. And I knew, like I said, it was my first very profound psychic experience. I knew exactly what this little girl looked like. I knew what her name was. And as I would make these statements to her, I would say, "Your little girl, right?" She would she would make my meter light up and and sound off. So she was using it as a validation device uh, to let me know that she was hearing what I was saying. And uh, you know, I said, "Your name is Alice," and she would make it light up. So yeah, it's useful, I think, uh, for someone who doesn't have the ability to actually communicate with spirits um, through the clairs. Um, but other than that, I don't know what else you could do with it. Let's talk about some of the more interesting places that you've investigated, or at least that you've walked away with thinking, wow, that was a great one. Uh, and we'll do this for each of you because you may not agree on the locations, you may have different experiences, different places. Kayla, you go mm-hmm. first. What are some of the most uh, interesting or exciting investigations that you've done? Oh, boy, let me think. Or should I start with Stephen while you think? Yeah, I'll start with Stephen because <laughs> there's so many i got to scan through. Stephen, what do you think? Well, us... have you got a week? Because, I mean, <laughs> I could literally sit here and talk to you for a week because uh, I've done hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of investigations over the last 18 years. But I was just thinking about that today because I thought, well, he may ask me that question. And I, would, I think one of the most uh, amazing experiences I ever had was a little house, rental house, that was uh, outside of Memphis, real close to Memphis. And we were called there. I was with a, I was working with a medium at the time, and we were called there um, to help out this family who was so afraid that they were actually, they were all sleeping together in one room of the house. That's how terrified they were. And what happened was this little, the little girl in the, in the family, Gracie, would come home from school, and she talked about this little boy named Henry that was waiting for her at the back door. And it was really cute. She said he was wearing um, capris. So what he was, he was wearing knickers is what he was wearing. He's like oh, from the yeah. 1930s. Hmm. And uh, this kid was amazing. I could take anybody, uh, people that I worked with at the time uh, in my day job, anybody into that house and talk to him, and he would he would answer through my EMF meter. So the family actually, what happened was he was drawing so much energy 
to do what he was doing there. He was doing some pretty amazing things. Their electric bill got up to like a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars a month, wow. and uh, you know, just it drove him out of the house. So they gave me permission to spend the night there, and I spent the night there. I, I can't believe I ever did this in the most god awful raging thunderstorm you can possibly imagine. And I was there in the house by myself, and at one point I was walking through the house, and all of a sudden it felt like someone had just dumped a wash basin full of ice-cold water on me. And when I looked, uh, there was a little girl uh, that ran past the doorway. And a medium friend of mine had already picked up on this little girl, so that was Henry's little sister. And I actually uh, got her to come up and sit on my lap, and I sang to her as the way I kind of uh, attracted her to me, and I actually got her to cross over that night. Never could get Henry to cross over, and um, I went back. They actually tore the house down, um, and I went back uh, with a different medium, and the house was just a lot of rubble there, but on the top of the pile of the rubble was a chair. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, I didn't tell her anything about it. And I said, do you see anybody there? And she said, yeah, there's a little boy sitting in that chair up there. So he's, I guess he's still there. Wow. He never would cross over. Uh, before I get uh, Kayla's answer to my question, I want to ask you, Stephen, uh, have you ever been in a situation where you've investigated at someone's home who's having activity, and it turns out that, let's say, it's, it's um, someone in the house's mom that's actually... Um, whose spirit is in the location. And then they say, don't, we don't want her to cross over. If that's mom, I want her to stay here. Anything like that ever happen? Oh yeah. All the time. And, um, what I always tell people is, um, you know, it's not doing her any good, uh, to be in the, the, the state of vibration she's in. It's almost like a depressed state. I said, if we can help her to cross over, she can come back. And she can do more for you and your family. She could actually be like a guardian angel to your children or whatever. And there was one house that <laughs> I went to one time uh, with a different medium. And they we, they called us there because the 16-year-old girl was waking up with pennies on her pillow every morning. So we got called there, and it turned out that the grandmother who was crossed over was the one who was leaving the pennies because she wanted uh, to alert her daughter to the fact that she didn't want her to marry a certain person. So she was doing anything she could to get her daughter's attention so that she wouldn't marry this guy. And, and we were able to deliver a message to her with validation. So, yeah, yeah, I've been in places where people, you know, felt like they didn't want their loved ones to cross over, but I always advise them, hey, you know, let's help them cross over because they'll come back almost, um, you know, in a guide-type form or guardian angel-type form. All right, Kayla, moment of truth. Uh, did you get come up with a, an investigation that you want to highlight for us? Yes. You know, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the first investigation that I went on with Stephen, Shelley, and another medium, Sheila. So it was the first time I'd ever done anything like this in a group or this open or even been this educated on everything because I've been gifted or clairvoyant since I was little, but I didn't necessarily understand what was going on. I just knew it was there, and it was somewhat relevant to my life. I didn't know everything there was to know about it for the most part. So when we had arrived, I remember seeing a little girl upstairs in the left window. 
I was like, there's no way I'm actually seeing that. Like, that's too good to be true. You're probably just crazy. Even though I went ahead and got in a car with three other people that communicates with people on the other side. And I go in the house, and the little girl goes upstairs, and I follow her upstairs, and she showed me the pictures. And she shows me this bathroom that's upstairs and that she hides in the bathtub sometimes. And then she showed me this closet. And then I went to the downstairs bathroom, and one of the weirdest things I've ever seen was this weird glob of energy that was just kind of like, I don't know, it was kind of like moss, but spiritual moss in a sense, and it was really odd. But it was a super interesting experience, because I remember there was a dog there, too, that stood by the back doors. So that was one of the most interesting ones for me because that was the most I've ever seen an entity. This little girl, I mean, she just showed me upstairs. She was telling me that she liked the paintings in the bedroom. It was the most activity one-on-one I've had with an entity. Wow. Um, as all of this is, you know, is still very, I don't know how to put it, um, it's, it's kind of uncharted territory for all of us that look into this stuff mm-hmm. and try to understand it. And as we do that, we keep hoping we're going to get definitive answers. Kaylee, do you think we're ever going to get definitive answers as to what's going on? Probably not. (laughs) I think we'll always continue to learn, and there's always going to be something to learn, but I don't think that we're going to know it all. I think there's a lot that would just be too much for us to know, and we know that. So... And Stephen, what do you think? Are we ever going to get that holy grail full-bodied apparition photograph or video that just puts all the questions to bed? No, the camera's always pointing the other way. Yeah, it is. It always <laughs> because, is. <laughs> because I didn't have a camera in my hand when the little girl ran across the doorway. The other full-bodied I, I've seen, uh, I had a video camera running because it was a workshop, but it was pointed away from the hallway that she floated down. So I don't know if we'll ever see that. Um you know, in kind of definitive proof, but I feel very comfortable and um, confident that when my life ends, that my parents who are already on the other side will be there to greet me, and I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to let anything hold me back here. I'm just going to go ahead and step into the light and go on because I know that there's more adventures. There's beer in heaven. There's all kinds of good things (laughs) going on up there. Uh, the mediums that have connected with my parents, my dad, uh, actually, he was very gifted in uh, the fact that he only had a high school education, but he was able to he imagine something in his mind. He was so mechanically um, blessed that he was able to create all kinds of contraptions and things. And I, the medium, that Sheila, that's a friend of ours that did a reading for me, uh, said that my dad is actually studying architecture. So that must have been something he was really interested in, but just never had the opportunity to pursue. So I think there's all kinds of further learning and advancement and uh, higher awareness awaiting us on the other side. Now, you say that like you believe that when you pass, you won't have uh, you won't be confused or you won't be in one of these states that you seem to find some of the other spirits in where they're just not aware or they're or they're. They don't understand the connection or whatever. I mean, you, you almost sound like it's a very conscious thing. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I've come across too many uh, spirits who have gotten mired down into that uh, type of uh, thinking. So, no, I'm, I'll be ready. I mean, 
I love my life here, and I love doing spirit rescue work. I'm a massage therapist. I help a lot of people with that. But, you know, I'm not, uh, when my time comes, I'll, I'll, I'm going there joyfully. And I'm very confident that we do have something awaiting us beyond this that's going to be even better. Kayla, and I don't think we'll be on lockdown up there either. Yeah, well, that's for sure. <laughs> Kayla, um, you know, nobody... I don't, I don't, there aren't, there aren't many that uh, are anxious for death and there aren't many that, um, you know, don't want to prolong life, but having done the work that you do and seen and heard and felt the things that you've seen, heard and felt, do you now um, fear death more than you did or don't fear it as much as you used to? How has it affected your view of death? Honestly, I'm like like Stephen said. I love my life here, and I love all the people I know. But I know there's definitely got to be a party waiting for me on the other side. I've seen it. Like I've spoken to entities and stuff, and I have a lot of family members and ancestors that are around me and that I'm aware of. So I'm honestly excited. And another thing that we were talking about earlier is also with the work of crossing entities over. I've had a few people ask me, well, isn't it sad when you see a child's spirit and this and that? And I have to explain to them that it's not. If you've ever seen the movie Ghost or Hocus Pocus, in both of those movies, <laughs> near the end of it, those entities cross, and it's so beautiful. When Patrick Swayze passes over, it's, you know, clouds and light, and it's beautiful, and he gets to say goodbye to a significant other in the movie. And then in Hocus Pocus, the little boy who thinks the cat, at the very end, you see him reunite with his little sister who's crossed over on the other side. And the background is, you know, clouds, is this gate, and his little sister goes, Zachary Binks, what took you so long? I've been waiting forever. And he says, I'm sorry, I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle. It's just beautiful to see that and to know that Anyone that's passed or I've lost, I will get to see again. Yeah, there's a great comfort in that for certain. Um, This is a question that when I have people who do this kind of work, I, I usually ask in the beginning of the conversation, but I held it to the end this time, and I did that intentionally. So I'm going to ask you first. Stephen, what is a ghost? If if someone had no idea what you were talking about and they and you used the word and they didn't know what it meant and they said, Stephen, what's a ghost? How would you answer that? Well, you know, I wish I could eliminate the word ghost from our the name of our team and from the website, but unfortunately that's because of our culture and Hollywood and everything, that's the word that people are going to associate with this uh, this condition. To me, they're all spirits, because we are spirits in the flesh. So a ghost, we don't, we never use that term. Um, actually, I have to, uh, in a description, I have to use uh, Memphis Ghost Hunters, because what, you know, I don't think anybody's going to go on Google and put in Memphis Spirit Hunters or Memphis spirit rescue or anything like that. They don't understand it at this point. So we have to use that terminology. But to me, it's all spirit. Uh, I think we're all part of uh, universal energy. Uh, We're individualized forms of that energy at this point uh, in our existence. But we'll all get get back together in that energy on the other side. So a ghost to me is just not a term. That's just not a term I use. 
Kaylee, do you feel the same way? I do. If someone asked me that, I would say, you know, a ghost is a person without a body. It's just a spirit, a soul. Ultimately, we're all energy. A ghost is a intelligent collective of energy. You know, it's a conscious, intellectual source of energy that's still within our vibration, in a sense. Kayla, who are your, some, of, some of your, uh, I'll call them mentors, or people that you look up to or respect within the industry or the field? There's a lot of people. I really enjoy Sonia Cachette. Uh, Stephen actually introduced me to her books. She's a very, she's a great medium. She's been doing readings ever since she was a child as well, and she understands the science behind metaphys- metaphysics and the spiritual realm as well, and I really enjoy that. So she is one of my number one people that I look up to. Stephen, do you have anybody that you look up to in the field? Well, I'm um, very in tune with people who are into rescue work, of course. So um, I've been corresponding a time or two with Amy Major. She's a rescue medium Mm -hmm. up in, I think, New Hampshire. And she's written a couple of books. Uh, One's called uh, Toward the Light, and the other one's called Light the Way. Those are really good books on spirit rescue if anybody's interested in uh, delving into this a little bit more. Uh, I just hope, my hope is that um, all the paranormal investigation teams out there will, you know, be intrigued by this in a certain sense that they will explore it more and maybe try to incorporate some of this into their own work. So um, I'm actually working on a book right now. I've had people tell me for years and years, you need to write a book about all this because I've got stories you know, I just wouldn't believe. And uh, so I'm working on that right now and hope to publish that next year or later this year. And it'll kind of be a spirit rescue manual from all the different techniques I've learned and picked up from other people and developed on my own. If someone is listening to this conversation or has listened to another and had a curiosity about this, how would you recommend they get started? Uh, in spirit rescue? Just in spirit rescue or paranormal investigating in general. Um, I, I think Amy's books are really good. Uh, that's a good starting point for someone to, uh, get more information about, uh, her techniques are a little bit involved for me. I'm kind of a kiss guy. You know, it's gotta be simple. Keep you, keep it simple, stupid type thing. Uh, and so I try to simplify things, uh, in my work. And I think that shows up in all the investigations that we do because, like I said, we're able to get in and out within an hour or two. It's not a real complicated process. And so I've kind of taken things here and there and uh, utilized things and thrown things out over the years and try to keep it simple. So, yeah, I think those books would be a good starting point for people. There's also another great book written by Marianne Winkowski called When Ghosts Speak. This is, to me, the focus of our work is on the humanity of these um, earthbound spirits. I think a lot of people... I hear people talk about, it did this, it did that. So actually the spirit uh, that they're referring to was someone's husband, wife, grandparent, or child. You know, I think a lot of paranormal investigators lose sight of that, and it's all about the phenomena. So I think if they start realizing that there's a human element to this that seems to be left out, especially in a lot of the shows, you know, I think uh, that's a better approach. 
Kayla, someone comes up to you and says, I've had these weird sensations. I feel like I can, I'm, I'm hearing voices talking to people who have passed, but I don't know what's going on. How would you advise them? I would definitely refer to refer them to some psychic books to help them understand. The best way to approach something is to educate yourself on it so that you understand and find a good way for you to personally approach it. I've had some people come to me before, and I've also mentored some people. If someone's dealing with a lot of um, entities speaking with them or constantly messing with them, always let them know the first thing is you can talk back to them. You can talk back to them out loud. You can tell them, I need you to speak one at a time or to give you space. So that is some of the you know, initial advice I would give them, give them to help them out with all that. Stephen, how far do you travel for investigations if someone needs help? We normally travel within a 150-mile radius of Memphis, so that uh, takes in of all, all of West Tennessee, um, a lot of eastern Arkansas, northern Mississippi, but we also will go into areas in uh, Missouri, Louisiana, Alabama, and Kentucky that fall within that 150-mile radius. But if there is someone uh, who contacts us that is having some severe uh, uh Activity going on that's traumatizing children will go further than that. We actually made a 600-mile round trip uh, on the other side of Nashville last year to help a family over there. So, yeah, we'll travel further if needed. We're we about don't to... charge anything for our services either. And that's important. I think that uh, that uh, adds a lot of credibility to the work you're doing, of course. Um so we're out of time here. Uh, you both have been terrific. Thank you so much. Where, Stephen, can people find out more information about your work, maybe contact you if they think that you can be of service and help them out? Okay. Our website is Memphis Ghost Investigations, that's plural, dot com, or they can reach us through MemphisSpiritRescue.com. We also have a Facebook page, and if you search for Memphis Ghost Investigations and Spirit Rescue, they can find us that way on Facebook. Uh, we also have a phone number they could call, which is 901-877-8406. And, Kayla, I don't know if you do any readings or anything outside of the investigations, but is there anything you'd like to add to that? Unfortunately, as of right now, I don't have a website or anything, but they can email Stephen because sometimes we will do remote viewings and help people that way as well. Perfect. Well, thank you both for being here tonight. It's been a lot of fun. I always enjoy talking about this topic, particularly with people who are very passionate about it. Thanks, sir. We sure appreciate it. Beyond Reality Paranormal is hosted by J.V. Johnson and produced by Orion Palmer and Slick Eddie Edwards. Like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Please consider supporting the program either through your podcast platform, click on the link in the description, or on Patreon at Joha Productions. If you'd like to be a guest on Beyond Reality Paranormal or you have a recommendation for a guest, contact our producer, Slick Eddie Edwards. Eddie is spelled with a Y at slickeddieedwards at gmail.com.